Hey, sweet baby, welcome to Love Life Skills for Leaders, where we heal the past, love ourselves unconditionally, and start our love lives over from a clean slate every damn day. I'm Candace Harper, relationship coach, licensed and certified hypnotherapist, and Gen X auntie. And I help professional BIPOC plus women become healthy partner magnets and create a love life that loves us back. This is a mature conversation for powerful people who want to have their best possible love life, whether single or coupled. And I'm going to share with you the practical steps for getting aligned, aligned with your core values, and becoming an energetic space for all that you desire. We want everyone who wants to have it to have it. So share this with your friends and write a review. Listen, don't keep this goodness a secret. Also, make sure to subscribe wherever you are watching or listening. Now, let's do this. Oh, my goodness gracious. Hello, 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 everybody. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I'm one of those people who is not a good sick person. And when I was young, that used to manifest as being like, like very grouchy as a child, <laughs> if I was sick. And as, as a grown up person, as a, you know, now 51 year old, because I just had a birthday. As a grown up person, it manifests as, um, uh, I'm not like, I'm cheerful. I'm not uncheerful. I just am very much a baby when I'm sick. Now I'm not sick in the, you know, systematic sick sense. I actually have been making massive moves in my life lately. And um, I moved in with my partner, my long-term partner. And that meant uh, moving of states and also coming from an apartment to a house. And I haven't lived in a full-on house in I don't know how long. Those of you who know me know that I was living in New York for 25 years And um, I did spend a short stint in Jersey where I was living in a little, my friend's little cottage house. And my partner now, he has a wonderful, you know, little DMV area cottage and it's very cute and rustic. And so I've been kind of, you know, rearranging stuff, having him help me rearrange furniture back and forth, up and down the stairs, you know, just doing things to make the space. And I believe that this is something, by the way, any of us should do. If you ever cohabitate, get married to a partner who already has a space, you really want to put your own sort of signature on it and um, make sure that it's a comfortable place for you. This is a place that my uh, partner has had for a very long time. Even his previous marriage is where he lived, raised his kids. So there's a lot here that is, you know, not mine. (laughs) And there's a lot here that I probably would not have chosen. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, because what's most important is that we have chosen each other. So now coming into his space, he's been wonderful and welcoming and sweet about me doing whatever I need to do to make it my own, which has been fantastic. Except those of you who know me know how I am. I like to do everything all at once. Once I put my mind to something, doesn't mean I don't procrastinate, but once I put my mind to something, it's like I got to do all of it, especially if it's a big project. So yesterday I just found myself doing the most, doing too much. You know, he gave me a room in the house that's going to be my office And, um, you know, we were moving the bed that was in there and taking it apart and we were taking it down the the basement stairs and I missed the very last step and my ankle rolled on the second to the last step and I fell on my left hand, which is my writing hand, and, you know, had a full on sprained ankle, 
Well, let me tell you, and those of you who are like me out there, and I know that's a lot of you, that's why you listen to the show, my powerful perfectionists who like to do everything themselves, who like to get everything done all at once, who like to move on something as soon as they know they want to do it, how frustrating it feels to then injure yourself and not be able to complete whatever it is that you're doing (laughs) and how frustrating it feels to go from completely inaction and getting things done to debilitated and you know relying on help and that's one thing that has been a challenge in my life is that ability to rely on help so part of it you know I feel like the universe might be saying listen you got to start being able to rely on help because <laughs> now I'm totally reliant on my partner to help me out with things. And I'm also going to be, you know, much further behind than the goals that I wanted to meet as far as, you know, getting settled in, getting things put away, um, getting back to work around my coaching and things that need to get done. Everything is going to be delayed based on this now recovery time. Yes, there are things that I can do, but I got to kind of tell you the trajectory, the um, you know, sort of evolution I've been having since yesterday around wrapping my mind around, you know, this need to now rest and heal and take the time to get better, right? So, um, you know, what is at the base of it? What is at the base of uh, it being a challenge for me to just sit down and um, relax and, you know, do like my partner would happily do. You know, he's been doing things for me and he's happy to then sit down next to me and we could watch TV and eat and, you know, <laughs> not get anything done. You know, he, he you know, works a great job. So when he's off hours from his job, he's got a lot more t- like sort of leisure time to do that. And it's one of his favorite pastimes is watching television, eating. He's also tall and slender. So, you know, he doesn't worry about his weight too much and does what he wants to do when he wants to do it, eats what he wants to eat, all that good stuff. So it'd be very easy for me to do what I I am naturally inclined to do, which is sit around, eat, watch television, just be, you know, entertained, be playing video games or not really getting anything done. Um, because, you know, as, as loving as it is, and as much as, you know, I feel the love from him, he would let me (laughs) because he's totally cool with it. He wants to see me get better. He wants to see me rest and he's totally cool with, you know, eating foods and just watching television when we're together. So what comes up for me now, on the one hand, I feel very fortunate and lucky that I'm with someone in my life that loves me enough that they just want me to rest and be comfortable. They have no demands on me. They don't need me to be something, you know, in order for them to love me. I don't have to like be working every moment. I don't have to, um, you, you know, constantly be trying to prove something or be great. And I love that. Like I feel so blessed and happy. But then there's the other side of me that has a deep seated fear of complacency, like, like a death fear of complacency. And the reason that I wanted to talk about fear of complacency today is because I feel like it it's not just something that shows up for us, you know, when it comes to our goals and and life in general and our projects, but it also shows up in our relationship life. Right? And so my fear of complacency is for every single area of my life. I don't want to get complacent in my relationship. I definitely don't want to get complacent around my goals for my business and my coaching. I don't want to get complacent around, you know, how I interact with my family and making sure to continue to grow that and have that be healthy. 
it, you know, it's something that I just, I know I don't want. So when we have something where we're like, it's a don't want, don't want, don't want, and that's what's resounding, what the universe hears is complacency, 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 fear of complacency. That's what you get. That's what you'll have. That's what you'll get. Now, if you, you know, read anything about manifestation, if you understand manifestation, what we fear is what we manifest. So when we have fears, they're natural to have them. And it's okay to validate that you feel a fear. It's okay to name it. As a matter of fact, you want to name it so that you can begin to heal it. And like my amazing coach tells me, there's only two emotions. There's fear and there's love, right? And all the other sort of secondary subtitle emotions fall under those two things, right? So the sadness, the anger, the frustration I mentioned earlier, the disappointment, the, the worry, the stress, all of those feelings are under the category of fear, the fear that I'm, I'm currently um, experiencing right now, this fear of complacency. And why am I so afraid of complacency? So what I want to do today is go through five questions, five steps. If you have a fear of something and you can use it for any fear that you have about anything, if you right now have a fear around intimacy, if you have a fear around vulnerability, if you have a fear around confidence and, and being powerful and, you know, a fear around pursuing your goals, whatever your fear might currently be. Mine right now, it's like a pounding in the back of my head. Don't be complacent. Don't be complacent. Don't be complacent. So I'm going to self-coach and take you through these five questions to ask yourself. And hopefully you'll do this along with me. So the first question is, what is the deepest fear, right? So what is the real fear? So I could say I, I have a fear of complacency, but that's not really true, is it? Because, you know, in my mind, the way I'm defining complacency is just a not, a not caring and kind of doing whatever I want to do. Uh, physically, right? So with this injury, what I want to do is lay around. What I want to do is just eat everything that's in the refrigerator. What I want to do is just like veg out and be, be entertained, right? And so th that's what I'm defining as being complacent. Am I really afraid of that in particular? No, right? But what I am fearful of, if I go a little bit deeper, is that I won't stop, that, you know, my body will get so stiff that I won't be able to do all the physical things that I normally do. And it will take a really long time for me to get back to being able to be physically fit. You know, I can't I couldn't do my five mile hike this morning. I couldn't do the things that I normally do, um, you know, and what I really fear about that, besides the not being able to get physical again, is that I'll fall behind in my work. I'll fall behind with the work that I do with people, how I help people, how I show up. I feel like I won't be prepared for, you know, upcoming sessions that I have with clients. I feel like my mind will turn to mush. I feel like I will, you know, go into some sort of physical mental spiral that will have me un, uh, unuseful, have me no longer contributing, no longer able to do all of the things that I really want to do, all of the things that I'm up to. And guess what? The fear is even deeper than that. So you don't ever want to just stop there at the surface because what is at the base of all of it, right? So let's like, let's go. What's the deeper fear than that? So if I'm honest with myself, it's not so much that I am afraid that I will not be able to physically do things anymore because I'm not afraid of that. I've, I'm, I've been in, in, uh, conditions where I wasn't able to do things. I didn't die from that. So it's not, I'm not afraid of not being able to do things if I'm honest with myself. What's more fearful is that I will have to rely on others 
to do things. The less I can do physically, the more I'll have to rely on someone else, whether it's my partner who I don't want to overtax and know he's willing to help me, but I don't want to take advantage of that. Or, um, you know, anybody around me, I don't want to be reliant on someone else's generosity and kindness. And I can keep going with that. So why don't I want to be reliant on someone else? Why don't why do I worry about overtaxing? Because that means a loss of love, a loss of admiration, a loss of care. I might, you know, overdo it and then someone might want to abandon or discard me. I don't get that feeling at all from my current partner, but that is something that I've experienced in the past. So that's a fear. So if I become someone who's complacent, not getting things done, I may be abandoned or discarded. So then what's even deeper than that? See how this just goes deeper and deeper. And this is how we can sort of face these fears so that we can heal them so they don't have to run the show. And let me tell you, I'm doing this with myself in this moment right now to turn this around and sharing this with you so that I can turn it around. I'm hoping that I'm helping you turn around a fear as well. So being abandoned, that fear of being abandoned. So what would that mean? What am I making all of these things mean? That I would be alone, that I would have no one, that I would have no love. But it's a very deep-seated fear of um, being alone, not in solitude, not chosen alone, because that I don't mind. I did that for years. I love the idea of being in solitude, taking care of myself, doing what I want to do, but being uncared for is very different than being in solitude. And so I have a fear of that, a fear of being uncared for, a fear of that I would leave this earth and be unself-expressed. So what I came here to do won't get finished And I have a belief that we all here to do something, that we're all here to be up to something. And there's there's a contribution I'm to make to the world that maybe on a lot of levels I've made it. But I feel like there's so much more because I get a lot of messages from source energy that that I have a lot of creativity to share. So there's a fear that that might not happen if I go into complacency and I waste out the rest of the years of my life. And I can tell you where that fear comes from. It comes from having watched my mother do it. Right. So what I'm making mean having an injury that stops me from the things that I want to do and not having to rely on others is that I will slowly descend into a point where I become incapacitated, debilitated, have to rely on others and don't fully express myself, don't fulfill my purpose and don't fulfill my mission on this earth. So you see that when you go deeper and deeper with your fears, it becomes bigger and bigger. And with that sort of Uh, soundtrack playing in the background, it's easy for fears to completely run the show. And what's even easier is that when the fear is in charge, I'm navigating in a way that makes it so everything that I fear becomes true. Right. So yesterday when I was running around doing all these things and, you know, trying to uh, make make my settling in happen faster so I could get the goal done so I could move to the next thing because I'm afraid I don't you know it's too easy for me to just get comfortable and not get things done around here and you know my boyfriend's very sweet so if it were up to him all we would do is go to restaurants and have fun and that's so easy to fall into that and forget all the things that are important for me to do because I'm running around forcing myself. I didn't eat enough. Um, you know, I was, I was uh, having him help me move things around. And we were taking something downstairs, down the basement stairs. And um, I tri- that's when I tripped and fell, like I was explaining earlier. And so because I'm running around 
like a chicken with my head cut off in this fear of complacency. What I caused was a situation where I have to do all of the things that I define as complacency. Do you see how we manifest what we fear? So how does that apply to relationships? You're like, Candace, it's not just about you. What about me? How does that apply to relationships? So let's say I have a fear of intimacy, a fear of getting close, a fear of commitment. I got to ask those deeper, deeper, deeper questions. And sometimes, you know, with clients, the deepest fear will get to, well, I saw how it was for my mother and how my father, you know, either abandoned or abused my mother, or how my mother went through relationship after relationship, or how she was ignored. I saw, you know, what what she experienced, what she endured, and I don't want to endure those things. So everything that I do and how I show up, how I behave in my love life is an avoidance of having that happen to me. Right. And when I work with clients, we do the conversation, we break it all down and we go through, you know, what is the deepest fear until we get to a point like that. So that's what I'm making it mean when I'm, you know, uh, avoiding dating, avoiding interacting with, you know, people that I would be in romantic relationships, avoiding actually caring about that part of my life. What I'm making all that, the reason I'm doing that is because I'm making it mean that interacting in relationships or the way certain people behave or things that show up would mean that I'm going to have to endure exactly what I saw when I was growing up, that thing that I'm fearing, that thing that I'm avoiding. And so back to what I'm avoiding is what my mother experienced. Although she was an amazing woman and she was an educator and did a lot of things, helped a lot of people, made a big difference in the world. It's not something she ever recognized herself because, you know, she had a lot of her own fears and a lot of her own avoidances. And as she lived out the rest of her life, there was the book she didn't write. There were the projects she didn't do. And then, you know, she got dementia and there was a slow deterioration. And so when I look at that, that triggers my fear. But what's true for me when I'm navigating this fear and what could be true for you when you're navigating whatever fear it is that you have, whatever the deep-seated fear is, is that, that like I said, we manifest exactly what we fear. So what's now true for me is that I have manifested the inability to get up and do things on my own the way that I can when I'm not injured, right? So now I have to rest while this thing heals. I can't do my five-mile hike. I can't do the things that, um, you know, I consider to be anti-complacency. I have to be doing the things that, that feel complacent to me because I've now manifested what I fear. But what could be true, Right. If I wasn't in this state of manifesting what I fear, if I wasn't in this state of always trying to avoid whatever it is that, that I'm fearing when I'm fearing intimacy, what could be true for me when I'm not navigating like I'm afraid of intimacy? Well, I might actually get to have open conversations with people. I might actually get to know people. I might actually be able to take the time to understand myself and others better. What would be true for me right now? If I wasn't navigating with the fear of complacency, well, I might actually take my time to take good care of myself, right? Rather than rushing myself through meals or not eating at all, you know, uh, even rushing my sleep, like uh, not sleeping in enough hours because I got to hurry up and get up and do this and do that. I might actually be willing to be patient with myself, make sure I get enough sleep, make sure I'm getting all the right things to eat, take the time to do that and be, and be disciplined and consistent around it, 
because I'll allow myself that time. I'll allow myself time to rest. I won't be so demanding of myself, demanding of my body that I would be in a position where I would, you know, get shaky and lose my footing. Right. So that's what would be possible if I weren't operating under this. Oh, I'm afraid to be complacent and running around and running around. What could be possible if I'm afraid to be intimate? I'm afraid to be vulnerable and, you know, doing all of that avoiding. What if what could be possible if I wasn't afraid? Right. I could get to know people. I could get closer to people. I could take the time and not get too attached to any one person so that I allow openness and love to actually happen. Right. That's what could be true if I wasn't. So what do I need to heal? So my coach often often uses the phrase, it's scars on your heart. The scars that we carry on our heart are what dictate our fear. Right. So what do I need to heal? This fear around my mother, you know, leaving this earth, not being fully self-expressed, not doing all the things that, you know, in her mind that she felt like she came to do. This fear that that would also be my fate. That's a scar on my heart that I need to hear, that I need to heal. That's what my coach says. It's a scar on your heart that you need to heal. And so how do I do that? So there's a, a prayer that my, my coach also recommended. It's called the Ho'oponopono prayer, which you can listen to on YouTube. But also it's, it's just recognition that that's what it is and re- realizing that there's forgiveness to be had, right? So, you know, I've done this work around my relationship with my mom and forgiving her for the things that I used to resent her for. And and a lot of what I would resent her for was the, the example that she set before me that I perceived. So I saw her as someone who, you know, wasn't as self-expressed as she wanted to be, didn't uh, write that book that she wanted to write, didn't get the things done that she wanted to get done, always behind the eight ball, you know, living in a house, you know, she was a hoarder, so living in a house with too many things. I had all these judgments and criticisms of, of her. And so what I find is that when I'm in these fears is, is that there's still some things to heal. There's still some things that I need to look at and be loving and nurturing around when it comes to how I viewed my mother and therefore how I viewed myself. Because I can tell you right now, there ain't much difference, especially if you're the daughter of a mother and you are, however you view her, there's some, you know, and when you're unconscious, there's some very, very stark similarities to how you view yourself. And it takes the consciousness of understanding that if I want to view myself differently, I got to be willing to view her differently and vice versa. Right. I got to be willing to give myself maybe the grace that she didn't know how to give herself. I got to be willing to give her grace as well so that I can heal that old scar and heal that fear that I can create a different possibility, that I can have a completely different experience if I'm willing to do what she wasn't willing to do, which was actually take good care of herself. And that was one thing that she did not model for me. Now, I don't say that like a victim or like something's wrong with her. She had her own things. We all have our own things, our own reasons why we don't do, and they usually center around fear, why we don't do certain things. And, you know, as we're growing up and we see what's modeled before us, oftentimes we just take on the behavior, even though we're thinking we're trying to avoid it. We think we're avoiding it. But meanwhile, manifesting it. So hopefully I've, I've made this clear. You know, I know that there's a lot of layers to this stuff, but let's go back to the five questions. What is the deepest fear? What is really at the depth? And that question you can keep asking yourself over and over again until you really hit it. And usually, you know, you've hit it when the tears come. You know, you've hit it when you feel it in your gut. You feel it physically. 
what am I making it mean? Whatever that fear. So like I said, I'm making it mean the deepest fear is that I end up leaving this earth unself-expressed. I'm forgotten and just a nothingness, like a useless life. Right. And, you know, what am I making that mean that that my purpose, my life, my very existence was for nothing, that I'm a nothing, that I am not valuable or worthy. That's what I'm making it mean. And what is true for me while I'm navigating this fear? I'm doing everything that I don't want to do, thinking that I'm in avoidance. So I'm not taking good care of myself. I'm ending up creating situations where I have to be complacent, creating situations where I have to be dependent. Right. What could be true for me if I wasn't navigating this fear? Well, I could be taking really good care of myself. I could be getting enough rest, enough food and doing the things that I need to do methodically and letting them have the time they need to take rather than trying to rush everything, even if it's not ready to be done. And what do I need to heal? I need to heal this fear, this thinking that I'm going to end up like how I perceived my mother and I need to go ahead and forgive what I perceived and understand that she has a bigger picture in her life that's bigger than what I saw. And, you know, whatever judgments I have about that, I need to be willing to release those judgments and love her unconditionally and let those things go and stop letting that be the thing that's dictating my life. Right? It's there. It's going to be there. But I can't let the scars on the heart dictate my life. And, you know, the healing comes from forgiveness, comes from acceptance, it comes from love. And definitely try out the Ho'opono prayer. It's on YouTube. You can get it for free. Listen to it. My coach turned me on to it. And that's it. That's it for this week's podcast. I wasn't around last week because I was in the midst of all this moving. It's been a good two weeks of getting all my stuff. But I'm very excited. I mean, total just excited, excited to live with my partner, excited for this new chapter of my life. And I, you know, I've learned a big lesson about this fear of complacency and excited to heal that, excited to heal the the scars in my heart. And if you're in a place where you've been avoiding something and you know you have a fear around something, be willing to heal the scars on your heart. That's something that I can definitely help you do. If you know that you are ready to heal your heart and create a love life that loves you back, email me very easy. Just send me an email, Candice at CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com. Candice at CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com. If you use my promo code LoveLifeSkills50, when you message me, you can get 50% off of my 12-week one-on-one intensive. And that's it. That is it, my sweetheart. It took everything I had to just motivate myself to not be sitting around and go ahead and do this podcast today. (laughs) And I don't say that like a martyr, but I had a story in my head. You know, oh, my foot's all messed up and I'm sad and I'm, you know, being everything I don't want to be. So I said, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm done with this fear of complacency. All I got to do is take my time, get comfortable, put my foot up get everything that I need together and just go ahead and record the podcast. Just take good care of myself around it. Right. So I ended up actually doing exactly what I wanted to do rather than what I would have done if I was navigating through my fear. I know it's like a paradox wrapped in an enigma, but I can help you sort it all out if you're feeling the fear of anything. If you're feeling the fear of something right now, particularly around your love life, but you know, fear, those fears, they all point to something, some healing that needs to happen. All right. I believe that is it, my sweetheart. I love you so much. Until next time, keep being unapologetically lovable and give yourself grace. All right, my love. Bye now.